Hey guys, you're listening to Totally Stoked Podcast with Amelia Travis, yoga teacher and wild child turned multi-six-figure business coach, writer, speaker, and spiritual warrior. Totally Stoked is an experiment in radical honesty. On this show, there's only two rules, show up and tell the truth. Each week, we share uncensored, truth-telling, shame-busting conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, visionaries, and modern-day mystics revealing their rise to thrive stories, current challenges, and sharing their most powerful tools for awakening, growth, and well-being. This is your place to let down your guard, open your heart, and remember that being human is a crazy, wild ride, but you don't have to do it alone. So buckle up, baby, because we're heading full speed ahead to radical self-love and a totally stoked life. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Totally Stoked Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. My guest today is one of my newest favorite people in the social media landscape. She's someone who day after day is dropping wisdom and knowledge around money and around abundance that I personally am implementing in my life. One of my intentions for the upcoming year is to reprogram my subconscious mind, especially around the energy of receiving. So I'm super excited to dive in with this guest today and get some really juicy nuggets to share with you guys, because I know that you are also calling in greater abundance and financial freedom in your life. My guest today is an expert on the power of the subconscious mind, a motivational speaker, money mindset, and online business strategy coach. She holds a master's degree and more than half a decade studying neuroscience and psychology, helping women dissolve limiting beliefs, discovering their worth and creating the lives they desire is her jam. In her signature program, she teaches women how to tap into the frequency of money, which is what we're going to talk about today so that they can create a life of freedom. In her past life, she was a nine to five employee on Capitol Hill and worked for the UN. And she's since become a social media influencer, which allowed her to build not one, but two multi six figure businesses. She's an online entrepreneur and host of a wildly successful podcast with half a million downloads. Don't worry. We'll tell you what it is in a little (laughs) bit. And in both speaking and coaching, this woman empowers other women to be unapologetic about what it takes to get what you want do what you want and become the person that you were designed to be. In other words, she's a girl after my own heart and I'm so honored to welcome her to the show. Everybody please give a warm welcome to Taylor Simpson. Thank you, Taylor. I love it. Thank you so much, Amelia. I am just so grateful to be here and excited to jam. And likewise, you have become one of my newfound favorite human beings on social media. And I, I just love how the universe like purposely kind of trickles in the people that you have been not knowing that you're calling in. And it's just so cool when they arrive and you're definitely one of those amazing humans. So likewise. Thank you. Thank you. The past, you know, it's interesting to just reflect on one year, because a year ago, uh, towards the end of, of 2018, so it's 2020 now, towards the end of 2018, you know, I was making this transition from being a yoga influencer, built and scaled a multi six figure business in yoga and wellness um, around yoga education. And I was making this transition into into business coaching, right? I had been doing it for a couple of years hourly, but I was like, finally kind of putting on my big girl pants with it. And was like, this is actually the next iteration of my business is, is, um, writing, speaking and coaching. And in the first couple months of making the transition into that space, I totally had 
the like, you know, triggered and jealous and feeling left out and like all these girls know each other and everybody's friends and I'm not part of the the click, you know what I mean? And I don't, I don't have any friends <laughs> in this space, you know? Um, and I totally had this, uh, this insecure kind of like attitude around it, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. and last March, I, my past coach, Courtney Baker was like, you need to go to some events. You need to go network. You need to go meet other people. Um, you know, you're kind of used to being, like a big fish over here, but now you're over here and you're a little fish and like, you need to go and make some friends. And I was super resistant. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go to something by myself, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, long story short, I ended up going to the Bliss Project with Lori Harder, mm. who I love. I'm like, obviously obsessed with her. We just had her on the, on the show. Um, and I know, you know, Lori and, um, and it was like, a, I was able to flip a switch in that event where I realized, and this is part of her grace and, and just what she offers to the world. I realized that I was not any different from any of the women on the stage, from any of the speakers, from any of these other, you know, coaches that I admired. And I was like, I'm calling it in. I'm calling it in by, by 2020. Cause this was last March. I was like, I'm going to have these high vibe friends who are going to help who are calling me to play bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, yeah. I, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, being in the position where you have a lot of people that you love and that you support and that you inspire and that you touch, mm. but there comes a point where you really need the people who are a little bit ahead of you, right? Yeah. So to, yeah. And to put them in your inner circle so that it calls you to be bigger. And so, mm -hmm. you know, before we started recording, you mentioned, oh, you had Nicole Sylvester on the show. She's speaking yeah. at Women Awake. And, and I saw you were also recently with Sandy Vo, who's also been on the show. And it's like, I feel so thankful that I <laughs> set that clear intention. Yeah. And now beautiful, beautiful women like you have arrived in my life where I just feel like, ah, oh, yes, cool, cool. Yeah. My high vibe friends are like <laughs> chiming in. And not that yeah. I didn't have high vibe friends before, but I want people who like I'm yeah. learning from and I'm like, oh, I can chase, I'm chasing at Taylor's heels. You know what I mean? Yeah. What like yeah. some cool shit over here. So, yeah. um, and if you're listening and, and that resonates with you at all, this is what we're going to dive into today, but know that you can set the intention for something and call it in, which mm -hmm. is different than wanting it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's absolutely going to unfold and appear. And that's what, that's what you, my dear yeah. girl are the expert on and are going to yes. teach us about today. Yes. Um, so you're one of my manifestations sitting in front I love of me. it. already decided we're best friends. I love it. We're, duh, we're totally besties. Like <gasps> PJ night coming soon and all the snacks and healthy Perfect. food. I love it. Perfect. I love it. Uh, so good. No, I agree with you. It's, it's so great to, to always be inspired, but not underneath of people and to know that like, they're your friends. Like, right. It's when you reach out to someone that you're inspired by, you're like, Hey, we have a lot in common. Like, let's be besties. It, we, we, we tend to kind of want to hide in our, I used to hide in my little bubble and be like, Oh, they'll, they'll never be friends with me. I'm not good enough. I don't make as much money as them. But then you get to a place you're like, like you had a bliss of wait, wait a minute, these people are no different than me. They're meant to be in my life. And it's up to us to just kind of get out of our bubble to create those relationships, to be inspired by, and then to grow together. So I love that. I'll be, I'm excited to talk about kind of the connection between that and just uh, manifesting or calling it in general. But before we get there, so that people understand um, the badass that they're getting to learn from today mm -hmm. and talk to today, let's let's introduce you a little bit more. So we shared a little bit yeah. about your background, but um, 
who are you, Taylor? Like, tell yeah. us about yourself. You're a coach, you're, you're an online entrepreneur, you're a motivational speaker, yeah. and you know, you're an expert on the power of the subconscious mind. So how did you, how did you get to become that? What, what got you into this study of neuroscience and psychology, yeah. uh, transitioning from, I think you were studying like international. Oh yeah. International development. International yep. International yep. So yep. Tell totally different world. Your background. Yeah. So I always like to joke the person that people see or hear um, now is not who I was just four to five years ago at all. Um, I, I'm definitely a cat with nine different lives and have lived many lifetimes in a very short period. And so for me, um, and I, I like to say that because it's really easy, easy to see someone's success or hear their success and think it's like super far off and that they can never have that. So if I can do and create what I've created right now, anyone can, which is why I'm so obsessed with helping people create their dream life. Uh, Cause I was living very blindly for all of my adult life. So rewind just even, you know, even eight, eight years ago, probably I actually submitted myself into anger management and overeaters anonymous on the same day uh, leading up to that. I, I lived a life of wanting to ple people pleasing, right? I moved schools. Uh, and when I moved, I got made fun of immediately for my, my fashion choices. I was, I've always very eclectic with my fashion choices. I got super excited to go to a new school. And then it was just like, you're too much. You dress too much. You talk too fast. Your personality is too much. So I quickly, uh, I dimmed my light. I dimmed my light to be accepted. Uh, which I know we've all been there. We've all kind of, especially middle school, high school, tried to fit in with the cool kids. And so as I went through this period of dimming my light, dimming my light, dimming my light, being more what other people wanted me to be, before I know it, of living this life, I'm you know, tw at you know, 21 in college, drinking all the alcohol, doing all the drugs and all the toxic relationships with men and women, um, creating a life on the outside right? That looked great. Like everything's fine. Everything's great. I have it together, but miserable on the inside. I did not know who the hell I was. I was a shopping addict. So I was racking up thousands of dollars on my credit card because, you know, that, that, that shirt will make me happy. Oh, those pants are like me if I had those pants or if I had a, went through a, a toxic breakup, I would just go spend a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for all these external things, drugs, alcohol, clothes, men to make me happy to fulfill me. So this continues on after college. I, I worked on Capitol Hill and then the UN, again, creating the life on the outside. I get married um, to someone that was going to take care of me, air quotes, and who sort of rescued me after a very traumatic event in my family. And so I get into this relationship that's far from healthy, again, because I didn't know who I was. So he'll take care of me. And right now he's fine for me right now. And it gets worse and worse, and it becomes a, a very abusive relationship. And so I then am deeper in my, into my own self, drinking a bottle of wine every night. And I finally had enough because I was breaking things. Like my ex-husband and I, uh, hint, hint, uh, would get in fights, and I would, I would smash things on the ground. Like anything that was near me, I had so much inner rage um, due to just a lot of trauma growing up. Uh, I break things. And I never actually dealt with my feelings because I was too busy pleasing everyone else that heaven forbid I actually worked through my, my shit. And so I put myself into anger management and overeaters anonymous because I was also overeating. I was eating, stuffing away my feelings. Mm -hmm. And that was my, my coping mechanism. And so that was, that was my rock bottom. I was so sick and tired of playing victim. I didn't know what that was at the time, but I was playing victim. And 
I knew it wasn't me because I, I knew that I was this sunshine. I, I was this unicorn. I'm a very unicorn human being. Mm-hmm. And I've always been that way on the inside, but it kind of, it got pushed away. And I just knew that that wasn't the life that I wanted to live and it was becoming exhausting. So after joining uh, Anger's Anger Management, I joined a gym. Um, to shift the energy through my body, uh, to figure out how to kind of move that around. I created an Instagram account um, to share my gym outfits because I love fashion. And before I knew it, um, my Instagram started blowing up. Like I've got my pink sports bra on, my neon shorts, because the gym was my safe space. No one would make fun of me at the gym. And then for the first time in, how long was that at this point? You know, 15, 20 years, I got to be seen for who I really was behind the screen on Instagram. And I start growing it and growing it and providing value. And I start to like really own that. Like, oh my God, I can be accepted for who I am, even if it's just my fashion. I can be accepted for moving my body and not being judged for being too much. And so I started tapping into self-development, into mindset. So I'm like, okay, what got me here? Why did I think it was okay to not be accepted? I started kind of like doing that, that analyzing that we do when we start to wake up, like, oh shit, how did I create this reality that I'm in? How did I create the reality I am? Mm -hmm. And not everyone else, how did I choose to be victim to this? And so that's when I got into into mindset, into neuroscience, into psychology to really become obsessed with not just reprogramming the outside of my life, which I've been busy doing, but to actually reprogram what was happening inside. And before I know it, I am turning that Instagram fitness business into my first online business. I was able to quit my nine to five within 10 months of of starting the Instagram and providing massive value, became an online trainer um, and did the work on my my relationship with money, which we'll go into. And I got out of thousands of dollars in debt. Um, I healed the majority of the the money and, and trauma that I went through growing up that was blocking me from abundance, from becoming who I truly was. Um, I got out of that marriage. I am now married to my soulmate. And with everything that I started applying to myself through the neuroscience and psychology, I have now like all my thoughts from just five years ago are completely different from positive to negative um, than they were. And I continue to to learn more and more about how to tap into the quantum field, I, you know, into love mysticism and, and energy and vibrations. And I constantly am my own guinea pig and apply these things. And it, it just gets better and better and better in my life, which means I get more and more obsessed with teaching it to other people. So that's why I say like, if I can do it, if I can go through anger management and all in thousands of dollars in debt and quickly, like just a few years, completely reprogram my mind, anyone can do it too. Oh my God, Taylor. <laughs> I love you even more. Um, and I had no idea how many parallels we have in our story. So I want to unpack that a little bit before yes. we go into talking about the money stuff. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that there was a lot of trauma. Yeah. We talk about trauma on this show, you know, yes. a, a lot. Um, because trauma, if in case you're just catching up with us or new to us, is really just these lower vibration emotions that have become stored in the body and have also yeah. created um neural pathways or you know, some scars from yoga philosophy, but basically these grooves or ruts in your mind that your your mind is is just you know falling into. Yeah. Um but specifically, you know, when you were growing up, you you said you have this trauma that led yeah. to anger and a sense of a void in you that you were self-medicating with specifically food and spending. Uh, yeah. what, what do you think when you have to name that trauma now, were yeah. there 
specific events or was it uh, the culture of your family? What was yeah. contributing to, besides being made fun of at school, which is by the way, traumatic in and of itself, but that's not <laughs> to diminish that, um, yeah. and being made fun of for being too much, do you feel like there were other specific things that were really contributing to this um, uh, sense of inadequacy that it sounds like you were trying to cover with the spending and food and, yeah. and, uh, and rage? What, what was yeah. going on? Yeah, absolutely. There are th three, different, three different things. Um, one of them, I grew up in a family where we didn't talk about our feelings. Um, I always use the analogy, if my cat died, we'd brush on the rug and not talk about it. Mm -hmm. So we never learned how to talk about our feelings mm -hmm. in a safe way. And if we cried, we'd get like, oh no, you're okay. Like, don't, don't cry. I was never able to validate the pain I felt or if I felt uncomfortable or my feelings were hurt. So that's just like, that's kind of the, the family I grew up in. Very loving, but just like we didn't hug, like just like very classic German family. I like to joke. Mm -hmm. uh, so old school German family. And so with that, um, that, that trait in my family, my, in right before college, my nephew um, tragically died uh, and I was there um, and we never talked about it. <laughs> so I then had, I live, I chose to live with my older sister who I, I was there when he was born. I, cause you know, baby daddy was not in the picture, mm. uh, very abusive. And so I was there when he was born and took care of him in his first couple of months. And then to have him die in the hands of someone else that could have been prevented. Uh, and then for, uh, that I live with my sister to help take care of her afterwards. And I never got to heal and we never really, like we talked about it, but no one was like, Hey, how is the traumatic event of like being there when your nephew died? Like we should right. probably talk yeah. about it. And there was no encouragement to go to therapy. So pretty fucking traumatizing. And so I kind of, that's when I went back to college and started doing all the drinking and, and spending all the money. And I didn't realize that it was because, hello, I was in like incredible pain and anger for this mm -hmm. avoidable incident. Uh, and then it was about, um, gosh, only a month after all of this went down, um, we found out my, my dad, who was a pastor, was having, I found out, uh, four years later, my mom found out, but uh, I found out he was having multiple affairs with parishioners because he was you know, giving them marriage counseling. So he was sleeping with women as a pastor and had a 20-year affair. My parents were married for 25, so you could do the math there. Um, I found out all these things and I approached him and he said he was going to take care of it and just like mind my own business. So you trust your parents, right? Like you just do. Mm -hmm. And before I know it, it gets worse and worse and worse behind the scenes. And I didn't deal with that. And I told my siblings that this was going down and no one listened How to me. How old were you when this was happening? I was uh, 21. So I'm in my, my mid thirties now. So mm -hmm. I was 21 years old. And yeah, my, and my, my siblings were just like, oh, he'll deal with it, right? The whole classic, let's not talk about the actual like issues. And so I'm getting really angry. I've got my nephew, I've got this. Um, and then when all blew up, come to find out he's a, a full-blown narcissist, like a full-blown, people you throw around the word narcissist a lot now, um, like a, a clinical narcissist. Mm -hmm. And so I had to do a lot of healing work around that. Um, and that's really was those two things were the bubble up for my, my anger, my, my rage, like massive rage. And so it was, I wasn't, it really comes down to, I never felt safe to share my feelings. Um, I never felt validated 
which means I never felt worthy. I never felt worthy of actually keeping money and using it for good. Um, I never felt worthy of being seen, of being appreciated, of being a leader. Like the idea of being an entrepreneur back then, I would have been like, who are you? Like, you're no one special. I always thought I was so ugly. And just all of those horrible things that we tell ourselves were my actual truth. Like I firmly believed I would never be successful and no one would ever love me because if my dad didn't love me, if my family didn't love me enough to check on me about my nephew or ask about my feelings growing up, right? Whoever would love me and whoever mm-hmm. would actually want me to be their, their coach or their leader. Mm-hmm. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. Yeah. Um, gosh, there's so much there. So with your dad as a pastor, were you raised in like a religious upbringing? Did, were you raised going to church? Yeah, no. The funny thing is he was a, uh, a computer software VP at a company uh, and for the, before I moved. So when I moved that new school and got made fun of, and all of a sudden one day out of literally nowhere, like we went to like a non-denominational church, but not like, not really, no, no crosses in our house. Um, and then one day he was like, I'm going to be a pastor. And we moved from Colorado to Pennsylvania out of nowhere. Um, and he was definitely seeking that I need more attention. I need to be worshiped, mm-hmm. right. As a narcissist. Mm-hmm. So no, not at all, not religious. And I actually got like less and less quote religious. Um, after that, like I had to do a lot of healing around God and around what that meant. Um, after that, because it was super confusing. <laughs> yeah. That's where my curiosity was leading is just this father, yeah. obviously, And my mom's a clinical psychologist, so I understand the gravity of using the term narcissist from a clinical perspective. It's not something, you know, people can be um, self-absorbed and it's not the same thing as pathologically causing distress and impairment in your own life and the lives of everybody around you. You don't have the ability, you know, it's kind of, um, people also throw around the word sociopath, but it's like, there is this very, you know, real aspect of narcissism in which you're not able to hold necessarily, um, empathy or consideration for other people in a, in a real way. So I would think that that would absolutely affect your relationship with spirituality, regardless of whether or not you were raised in a religious upbringing, but obviously even just him holding that, that position or that space, and then seeing the betrayal of your mother and then seeing, you know, also the betrayal of the parishioners and, and also the betrayal of himself would definitely give you some pause around religion, right? And they're just yeah. the culture of religion where, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you mentioned the quantum field, you obviously mm-hmm. are interested in NLP and, um, and you have a very spiritual aspect, I would say yeah. to what you share and teach. So where do you find yourself yeah. landing today in terms of your relationship with that, which is greater than yourself? Oh my gosh. It couldn't be more stronger. Like I, I did, I um, was like anti-God, the word God. I always believed that there was, you know, higher being the universe, but like the word God was like so triggering to me up Mm -hmm. until probably, yeah, like, like five years when I started doing, doing the work. Uh, So now I've, I've come to change I think the word God kind of offended me because it was like, we go to church to worship this man that, right, this quote man that Mm -hmm. is in charge of everything, but like he let my dad be a pastor. So Mm -hmm. I had to be like, oh, oh, God isn't a person. It's Mm -hmm. not an an entity. It's not this like you worship just him. God is everything. God Mm -hmm. is the universe. God is the quantum field. God Mm -hmm. is you. God is me. Like we're each God. Like we're all literally one. Um, and so I, I took the, him, him, right, quote, it's funny, all of us, um, mm-hmm. off the pedestal 
mm-hmm. and was like, oh, no, he doesn't want to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. He wants to understand that he, like, he, she, it is in all of us. So now I am incredibly spiritual. Um, I have a very deep meditation practice. Um, I, like, I, I, I speak to my spirit guides and, and tap in the quantum field and 5D on a regular basis. And, and it is, it gives me, it gives me life. Like I can't, I look back and it makes me super sad to think that I used to think that way, but I give her a lot of grace and a lot of understanding because um, she was alone and angry. And so now I'm in a place of just like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like th- we are, we are one. And I am so grateful for God, the universe cr- creating this ability for us to live in this 3D world and, and serve our purpose and make, make a difference. So then in our next life or next life, whatever that is, um, we could become even better and more evolved and thus making a bigger impact every single lifetime moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the things that I find interesting to to examine is people who are doing great things in the world, people who are leveraging influence and creating impact and serving at a high level, there are some things that they often have in common. And one is a commitment to personal wellness, often that comes through you know, a, a fitness practice, a health practice, a routine, but also a spiritual practice. Many of the most successful people, and I'm lit up with chills head to toe right now, which is always like, for me, that that's Holy Spirit or that's my divine oh, yeah. channel. Um, and there's this, there's this uh, truth, I think, that is prevalent in many religions, but that we can't, we're not meant to do it alone, right? And not just alone as in me as an individual, but also alone in the sense of we're co-creating yeah. the manifestation of reality with that divine energy that is not actually separate from us, right? Yeah. And so um, I think it's just interesting how many people, you know, when, when we look at like what makes these successful people so successful, one of the foundational things that is not in everyone, but in most is a belief in something that's bigger than themselves and not just a belief, but a relationship, a a dynamic and active relationship with it that's being practiced. So I think that's always really, um, really cool. And it's across the board, you know, like I have friends who are leaders in different sectors and they all have different ways of approaching the divine, but ultimately like it's all, it is all the same thing. It really um, is. It is. You can't like, my belief is how could, why, why would we want to operate alone? Like, why would we, why would we choose to go through life? Like thinking it was just like, this is it. This is us. Like for me, it's like, why not believe in something greater? Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I think it's usually, I think there's usually a root of just like there was in your case, a yes. root of harm, of betrayal, of inability to trust and yeah. an association there. You know what I mean? I mean, I, yeah. I grew up, um, you know, not really necessarily believing and then later came into a belief structure that was uh, uh, harmful to me because the person who brought me into it or first introduced me to it was a total asshole. You know what I mean? And like a con man and is now in prison and like, and like, you know, knocked uh-huh. me out while he was married to somebody else and then told me to have an abortion. And like, you know, it's traumatic, right? So we yeah. have the associations. And if your yes. association with spirituality was with someone who had harmed you or your dad or something else, it's, it's, yeah. you know, it can be complicated, but I'm so thankful to hear that you've circled back to that. And it sounds like yeah. there very much was this process for you of, um, of, becoming more yourself. And I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 
I'm like checking the timeline in my mind, but I think you went through the experience. It sounds like the timing was around your Saturn's return. So you did have that year of like 27 yep. to 29, <laughs> where it was kind of like, do I want to continue in the machine of like being on Capitol yeah. Hill, working for the UN, or do yeah. I want to blaze this other path that's more true to who I'm actually called to be? Yeah. Um, so was there a well, there was obviously, you said a rock bottom. You were, you, you finally yeah. realized I need to go to anger management. I'm going to go to Overeaters Anonymous. You decided to go to both on the same day. Um, <laughs> were you still married to, to husband one when this was happening? Yes, I, um, I indeed was, I was married to him and he was sound asleep. Um, you know, and he knows I talk openly about this. Uh, he's sound asleep, uh, no desire to expand. Uh, and so, but at that time, I still didn't feel safe to speak my mind about that part of my life. Like I was kind of like doing this. I'm kind of, if people listening, I was on like a, a path of like in my path, in my thing, um, and wasn't really focused on improving that part of my life because I knew deep down he wasn't my person and that I got married for the wrong reasons. So we were actually married for quite some time after I did this because as I'm healing all this, the one part of myself that I didn't heal um, and what I'm still continuously healing, which my current husband teaches me very well uh, in, is communicating um, the need of support. So I was actually in this toxic marriage and not telling anyone. I wanted to get divorced for a long time and wasn't telling anyone, not telling, like I, I was just like, oh, I'll just tough it through. I'm okay. So it was, yeah, I was, we were together. Uh, we got divorced probably at this point. Uh, three years ago. Uh, so I, I was with him for quite some time, more than I should have been and more than he should have been with me. I was just terrified to bring it up. We ended up like living separately for a whole year and not even talking about divorce. It was the most like codependent, not communicating, like bad relationship ever. So yeah, we were married, but just like didn't talk. Like so crazy. I don't think that's actually that uncommon. I think that a lot oh. of people in the dissolution of a partnership, it, there is the process of, um, of, of healing that happens in each of us. Like, and, and as we heal and heal more, eventually we come to where we can let that go. How old were you when you married him? Uh, 24, really, really young, pretty young. Yeah. 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 yeah and so sound asleep. <laughs> would you say that, um, that you guys, you mentioned codependency. So would you say that you were enabling some of the behavior of like abusing substance abuse, alcohol, drugs, mm. um, the compulsive spending, whether like enabling it on like a active level or even just enabling it on the level of like you said, you're not talking to each other about the yeah. support that you need. You're yeah. not talking to each other about the problems that are happening. Yeah. I was in an abusive relationship from 16 to 21 and towards the tail end of it, I was heavily abusing prescription pills and compulsively spending. And yeah. I think it was coming from this place of probably similar to you, like I'm so deeply unhappy. I'm trying yeah. to fill this void in me or I'm trying to, you know, I'm coping with whatever the unwanted emotion is by redirecting it into a dopamine hit that can come from something yep. that's easy, whether that's a pain pill or whether that's a, you know, um, Going, I, my thing back then was like going on eBay because at the time I didn't have oh, money yeah. and buying um, designer <laughs> jeans. You know what I mean? I was like, go Been buy there. like true religion, like, and that was like making me feel better about my life. But um, it's just you know today you're obviously such a beacon of light that I think when we hear these stories about okay, anger management, overeaters, anonymous, compulsive spending, you know, significant debt, 
What was your debt at the height of it? What was your unsecured credit card debt? About $60,000. Okay. Yeah. So I'll close. Just shit. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. (laughs) I had $100,000 of unsecured debt. And I'm like, how did we even get here? I've got a bunch of Christian Dior shoes in my closet, but like what? You know what I mean? Like it's, and it's, and that I think is like, when we look at the culture that shapes the drive to purchase those things, it kind of, it makes me sick because I'm like, we really felt like, if I have these shoes or if I have this handbag or if I, like, I look the part, then I'm worthy of love. Right. Then Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. People can like me. So was there a breaking point in the marriage that kind of prompted you to go to anger management and, and overeaters and like, look at your shit or yeah. Do you know if there was like a turning point or was it just kind of one day you woke up and you were like, this isn't like, this isn't who I am. This isn't the life that I want to have. What happened that made you shift? Yeah. So we get to kind of bring it back to how we met. We met two weeks before I found out my dad and my mom, before I found out my mom found out about all the affairs. So Mm -hmm. that's when like my world came literally crashing down. And so he rescued me, right? I was mm-hmm. like, okay, you can either stay because my life is about to be like a hot fucking mess. Uh, or you can leave. Like we've only known each other two weeks. So it's literally up to you. Um, he stayed and then he decided to hold that against me for the rest of our marriage um, of that he rescued me and that I was a, a crazy bitch and that he took care of my was family. Was he older than you? Like a year. Like we were the same age. Um, and and yeah. he was 25 uh, and he was 25. You? What was he doing for work? He worked for the government. Yeah, but not like financially supporting, like emotionally supporting me. Got it. Got yeah, it, like got he, like you know, he he rescued me. Yeah. Um, and so he he held to hold me. you hostage, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, and so he he dimmed my light because then he was in control. Um, and to this day, I don't I don't think he can ever conceptualize that. And I, I, I married my dad, in other words, um, wink wink. Uh, so <laughs> a narcissist. Uh, and so I um. I allowed him, right? It was by my choice. I allowed him to continue to kind of call me the crazy one and turn the tables, gaslight me a lot. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really, an, I, I really couldn't understand because eventually when a narcissist tells you you're crazy, you actually end up believing it. Like oh, you yeah. Truly end up, you, you're like, oh, I must be crazy. Hence the fact, I'm crazy. I should probably get the anger, man, anger management because I'm crazy. Yeah. Narcissist um, or not, if somebody's gaslighting you, if you're in a relationship where you know, enough of the time somebody's telling you that you're crazy, you start, you start to A, act crazy. Literally. And then B, like, you know, you do start to believe it and you, and, and this is yeah. the thing I always say to people who are in relationships that are not maybe serving their highest good is like, if the best you've ever had is a four, you think the four is a 10, you know what I mean? And there's so part true. of you that wonders is there, you know, is this maybe actually like a four, but you're like, well, no, everybody has trouble. Everybody has problems. People just don't talk about it. Right. We go through this justification process and, um, and we, you know, it's, it's that fear of the unknown. It's that kind of underscores so many things in life is like, but if I leave this, what if it doesn't, what if there's actually nothing better? What if this is as good as it gets? And if anyone's listening right now and you're like resonating with that, here's, I'm going to tell you, if you ever have the thought, maybe this is as good as it gets, <laughs> it's not, unless it's coming from a place of like, you're so, you're genuinely so like, it couldn't get any better. Like it couldn't get it. That's a different vibration. Literally. literally. Like yeah. it couldn't get any better. 
Um, because actually once you get to that place where you feel the feeling of like, I I couldn't get any better, you actually then know like this or something better. Like, yes, more, please. Thank you more, please. Like, but from that place. So if you're hearing this and you're like, oh yeah, that's me. (laughs) Just know that if you have that thought, I promise you, Taylor promises you, it can absolutely be better (laughs) and get the fuck out of there. Like it's probably not working. Um, so, okay. So Tay, so you mentioned this, um, relationship between money and trauma, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about your trauma. We're talking about this background. And as you started to get into personal development work, uh, somehow in here, you, you, uh, paid off $60,000 of debt. And you said that that was through doing the work on your relationship with money. Yeah which was blocking you from abundance and being who you really are. Yeah. Um, and I realized maybe I didn't let you finish the question about the pivot. So if you want to answer if there was a yeah. transition point, but then also like, how did that lead into your understanding of the relationship between trauma and money? Whatever. You yeah, think. totally. Yeah. The, the pivot point really was, um, it, it was pretty quickly. Uh, it was about four years ago now. Um, I, about three and a half, he asked me to get a divorce six months later. So I decided to go to Costa Rica, like randomly. I was just like, I need to go to Costa Rica, get a house, like a hut on the beach. And I need to figure out what the fuck I'm doing with myself. Cause I've got this business. I've got this like great life. Everything's perfect besides my marriage. Um, so that was like my, like come to Jesus moment of you need to take responsibility. You're now like choosing to extend a toxic relationship. I was aware enough at that, that point to be like, okay, Taylor, like, come on, get your shit together. Stop being stupid. Mm. And so like, like, you know what you need to do. So I went and lived in a hut um, in Costa Rica for about four months and no electricity, just like me and realized at that point, okay, like put your big girl pants on, have the conversation and make this happen. So that was really my, like, I knew I had had enough. I, I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew I was a great human being with a lot to give and that I wasn't going to allow someone to continue to tell me any differently because I had the responsibility to start sharing my gift even more. And he was the only one that was blocking that. So it was really like going to Costa Rica and like being like, all right, I'm done. I get it. I'm good. Um, so it really was just that. Before uh, you went to Costa Rica, do you think that Anger's Management and Overeaters Anonymous, do you think that these programs where you were able to actually get support and process externally process your feelings, yeah. um, do you think that that was what led you to the level of self-awareness to even know, like, I, I need to go to Costa Rica and live in a hut. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because if I hadn't gone um, to anger management, I wouldn't have probably, like, joined a gym or learned, like, the energy movement. Um, and if I didn't learn to stop eating my feelings away, I would have continued to stuff that 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 knowing that I needed to leave the relationship even further down. Mm-hmm. So I am all about like, if you are in a shitty relationship, go see it. I had a therapist too at the same time. So I'm like, I'm, I'm doing all three. Uh, yeah. Had I not committed myself um, to, to doing that work, there's, I, there's no way I would have had the, the balls to leave that relationship. <laughs> so, yeah. Cause what I kind of want to lead to for people yeah. who are listening and finding themselves in this is like, even if, you don't know if you want to leave, or even if you don't know if things are that bad with your, your drinking or your substance abuse, or even if you, whatever, you don't know if the compulsive spending is really a problem or if it's just, you know, everybody has a little debt. If there is any doubt, it's not going to hurt anything for you to go to a place where there are other people who are also struggling worse, you know, I don't know, worse slash best, whatever case scenario you go and you're like, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm good. And you peace out. But then 
one of the things that I realize more and more and more as I, you know, um, deepen into the path of the priestess and into holding space for people in healing is that healing happens in community. Yeah. It happens in dialogue and it doesn't happen unless we're witnessed. Like yeah. We have to be seen yeah. in our shit in order to let the shit go. Like you can't 100%. do it alone. It's like what we said at the beginning. So, you know, I feel like if you're finding yourself in that, I would really check in and be super honest with yourself. Like, are you currently in isolation? Yeah. And by the way, like your BFF, who's like kind of equally toxic and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that fucking sucks. Like whatever, like here, have an Adderall, let's go. Like that's, she's not necessarily helping love her. You know what I mean? You could still be friends with her, but Uh like you probably need that support and dialogue somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I think that leads into like you today are helping women tap into the frequency of money. You're helping them understand how being fearlessly you creates this life of abundance. Um, And full disclosure, like asking not for a friend, you know what I mean? Like for myself, because even though I did get out of a hundred thousand dollars of debt, and I now have a significant cash flow. I I know that I have work to do around money and trauma, and it's actually yeah. the wound has recently become more exposed, and it is an active wound. It's currently bleeding, so I'm not going to like go into the mm-hmm. deeps of it in my life. But um, I'm very curious specifically about the relationship between money and trauma, yeah, um, and the way in which we can block ourselves from abundance, either because of worthiness issues or you know, whatever else that may be. So if you can just kind of inform us on that with your story and then maybe some of what you've observed in other people, what is this relationship between uh, being able able to receive um, and able to not just receive, because I can receive like a fucking champ, Taylor, but like holding on to the money. It's almost like there's a fear of like having a savings or like a 401k. Like it can't be that scary to have a 401, you know, an an IRA, like Um, or yeah. some stocks or something, but I find that the money comes and it goes. And sometimes that feels like it's just like a, like a sieve. Like I'm like, it's just coming in and then it's just draining out. Yeah. And what is, you know, I did identify one thing, which was like, when my dad started making a lot of money around like 12 or 13, mm-hmm. our family experienced much greater abundance. Then he cheated on my mom and left. So there is mm-hmm. part of this story mm-hmm. that's like, it's not safe. Money precedes the destruction of relationships. It's not yeah. safe for me to have and hold money, but there's yeah. a lot more to it too. So how yeah. did you first start to, to see that and start to work with it? Totally. Um, I'll give it, I'll kind of explain, I'm going to make this a two part, um, explaining why trauma and money relate, but then I'm also going to share how, so I love, I love learning the how, so I'm going to make sure that everyone hears kind of how I'm going to give you tangible homework for this one, how to move through this. Uh, so when it comes to trauma, trauma and money, trauma is a form of energy, right? When we have trauma, it's guilt, it's shame, it's resentment, it's anger. It is lower vibration. It's in your gut, which can lead to digestion problems, um, constipation, um, IBS, all of that, PCOS, I mean, all that stuff that just like, oh, down there. Um, so knowing that money is energy, money is the, it's energy, just like a pencil is energy, just like um, the way you feel about someone is energy. It's, it's everything is energy, whether it's dense energy, like an object or, you know, loose, if you want to use that, you know, that word energy, like money, like it's, it's an energetic form. You can't necessarily touch besides the piece of paper. So knowing that money is energy, money is love, money is high vibrational, it is a frequency that is aligned with gratitude, with love, it's in your heart, it's expansive. 
So if you have a bunch of trauma, so I'm touching my, my stomach and I'm touching my heart. Um, if you have a bunch of trauma that you haven't dealt if that you haven't dealt with, if you have a lot of anger, resentment, guilt, that's just kind of sitting there and you're maybe spiritual bypassing, maybe kind of working on it, maybe kind of recognizing it, maybe you've journaled on it one or two times and you're like, okay, I've worked through that. I've forgiven but you haven't really fully forgiven, that means you're actually blocking that amount of love that you can feel in your heart for life for that person who wronged you, which is on this, again, the same frequency as money. So by you not forgiving, by you holding on to guilt, resentment, you're actually keeping energy from going to your heart, which attracts money. So I, I like to visualize things. So just think about that. If you have guilt to someone, that's it's like a piece of pie and you have 80% of the pie taken to like, subconscious anger to someone or guilt for yourself, mm -hmm. that pie that only has 20% left of love, even mm -hmm. if you're not intentionally doing it. And that means you only have 20% of abundance coming to you. Can you imagine if you did the work to decrease that pie to like 40% of guilt mm -hmm. and you're increasing the love, which means you're increasing the actual energetic flow of money. Mm -hmm. So if that doesn't motivate you to work through your trauma, right? And so when you start to work through your trauma, you begin to release those energy bodies, that toxic, heavy, stagnant, um, low vibrational energy in your body, which means it opens up to receiving more love. Because once you forgive someone, you love them. True forgiveness is being able to truly love them as a human being, as mm -hmm. you, as God. Um, so when you can forgive them, you bring it up to your heart, which means you are now open to receiving. So when you do this kind of work, this kind of leads into to what you can do tangibly to begin healing this type of trauma is get out a piece of paper. This is going to be super basic. I, I like to joke healing our money trauma is not as hard as it needs to be. And if I like to work smarter, not harder. Uh, mm -hmm. So take out a piece of paper, make it horizontal. You're going to put two lines. So make like three even um, columns down your piece of paper. On the left side, you are going to write down every toxic thing you've heard about money. Anything, even if you don't know it's like a negative, if you feel it in your gut, it feels heavy, it's negative. And you're going to call that column like shitty stories about money or mm -hmm. shitty stories about abundance or things that don't make me feel good about money, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. You're going to get them all out. Like I'm not worthy of receiving money. I'm not good enough of having money. Um, money doesn't grow on trees. Money, money um, causes people to get divorces, right? If mm -hmm. I spend money, it's not going to come back to me. So I have to hoard it. Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, as many as you can, everyone should have, if you're working on your relationship with money, you should have a minimum of 30 <laughs> stories that don't feel good about money. Like, mm -hmm. and so in that second column, you're going to, before you write it down, you're going to close your eyes and you're going to go back through, you're going to look at them and close your eyes, each of those stories. And you're going to think, okay, who, who not gave me this story, but who inspired the story? I.e. for you would be your dad. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, my, my dad gave me the story of if I overspend money, it's going to turn into divorce. So it's going to turn into people leaving me or people not loving me. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. The next one. Okay, this one actually came from a, a TV show when I watched when I was six years old, whatever it is. You're going to go through every single one. You're going to give an identity to this trauma, this money trauma. Uh, and you're going to forgive the person for giving you this trauma, for giving you this um, low vibrational uh, frequency. And you're going to truly, truly forgive them. Like, I forgive you, dad, for making choices that felt good to you, but maybe um, weren't of your highest self, which means I saw a low vibrational side of you, which means I, I saw myself in that. Um, and I continue to make that my story. So really like have a full on conversation with the forgiveness piece of this, because again, once we can forgive, we can bring that gut up into our heart 
expand our heart, love the person as a human that they are, and be able to be open to receiving money on that same frequency. So you're going to go down the list. This takes, it takes a while. And then the third col column is going to be your new money story. So you're going to take that old story with the forgiveness. You're going to flip it and you're going to think, oh, I love the fact that money comes to me in massive amounts and I'm able to either hold on to it and put it into a space that allows me to make more money, like investing, um, or I spend it on things that just make me happy, right? Like a pair of, you know, Christian Dior heels, but out of a place of love for myself um, and for the designer. Whatever that is, so you're going to go through and really step into that. And what's going to happen is they're not going to feel true. They're going to, you're going to write them down. They're going to feel good for a second, but then mm -hmm. your ego is like, oh, you're so cute. You really think you're a money magnet mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. your subconscious only knows what's happened in the past, um, what has, what's been proven, what's been proven for other people. It, it's, it's a computer hardware drive or a puppy dog. You can do either mm -hmm. one. It just wants to please you. It just wants to make your life happy and easy and pull up the facts that it knows. And so- this is how we bring in the ability to, to step forward and out of that. And so I don't like affirmations. And so this is going to help you um, really start to believe these new stories and not let your ego or your subconscious talk you out of it. So before each of these stories, you would say, when you go to, you write them down the new story, however you want. But when you go to now practice preaching them, it's, I am in the process of becoming a money magnet. I am in the process of knowing that I make a lot of money and, and I know how to delegate it. So when we say I am the process of, we're releasing that old story because we're like, I'm in the process. I'm moving forward. I'm releasing that trauma. I'm healing from that trauma. I'm moving forward. That I am in the present moment because again, your subconscious mind doesn't believe that. I am in the process of. And now because your subconscious is like a puppy dog, it's going to go and like look for opportunities and people without you even having to do the work to fulfill that new story. It wants to affirm and make fact everything you think or say, whether it's good or bad, this can work either way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm the process of allows you to constantly be searching for, for the results to make that a reality, which means you will find that random check in the mail because I am the process of receiving random money. And you're going to put out that, that, that rocket of desire. Um, and this is where the part where you just have to believe it, right? Some people are like, oh, rocket of desire, that's woo-woo, right? I'd rather believe that this shit works, that, like, that the quantum field makes everything magical happen than not. Uh, if so if you anyone's... start paying attention, you're going to find evidence of it everywhere. You are. I mean, you literally won't be able to, if you truly start observing yes. and have the intention and the desire to, to see it, yeah. you see the way that your that your projective mind creates your reality all the time and i'm in love taylor with with these words i think these five words i'm in the process of i really think that is a very powerful incantation that's a very powerful yeah. spell those are those are that's a good word you know what i mean because yeah absolutely right that one of our greatest areas of resistance is in the uh the fact that it feels fake or you know um false to say things like i'm a money magnet and we can say it all day long but if you're saying it and it's hollow and there's actually no vibration of truth in that yeah. then not only does it not work but it also compounds the internal voice that says, you're so stupid, you're never right, this isn't going to work. So it actually, I feel like activates kind of the shame 
spiral in a way, because then we tell ourselves, and this is one of the things that like, that I struggle with in the law of attraction, manifestation, culture, all this is Mm -hmm. that, is that when we're not careful about our words around it, we can set a culture where it's not necessarily blaming the victim, but we, we are like blaming ourselves Mm -hmm. for the way in which, you know, things are happening that maybe aren't what we want, right? Somebody, um, somebody hurts you or or leaves you. And if you're, if you're understanding that stuff, you know, in a skewed way, you'll think, well, that, that must mean this is my fault. Or if I don't have the money that I desire, then it's my fault. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you blame yourself and then you feel bad about yourself because you're like, I'm the worst manifester. I suck at this. I suck at that. Right. I'm Uh not speaking from experience. I just, again, ask it for a friend. (laughs) Um, But so I love that. I love that I'm in the process of knowing how, you know, and I wrote my own as you were talking. I'm in the process of knowing how to hold and steward money. I'm in the process of knowing how to confidence confidently leverage debt and then pay it off. Like I'm in the process of knowing how to save significant amounts of money and have that be easy because that feels true. I am in the process of learning. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm learning it. Yeah. I'm at the beginning of the learning. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's like it, it empowers you to be like, oh shit, I know what I'm doing. Like even yeah. if it's on step one, I'm in the process, which means it can't go anywhere but up from here. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And I, I will take that exercise and I will use yeah. it. So, so that exercise, you know, started to introduce this idea about how, um, you know, people throw around the term NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah. It's basically how words have vibratory energy and how the connection yeah. between our neural programming and our linguistic programming as we speak things, they, that, that vibration resounds and they become manifest. Lots of big words to basically say, you know, as a man thinketh, so he is, or like what you think you become or whatever. Um, so, but I, it can feel super intimidating for people yeah. when they're first starting to do mindset work. Cause it feels overwhelming, right? Because the absolutely. subconscious is absolutely driving the bus yep. and it's been driving the bus for a long time. Uh-huh. And we're like, man, I keep trying to like take over the bus, but I yeah. my subconscious is just so strong and I default. And then I feel like a failure because I, yeah. you know, thought the negative thoughts again or whatever. So when we're just starting to arrest the negative mm-hmm. thoughts, to notice them and to practice replacing them, do you have, um, it could be a book or a resource or what was really helpful for you yeah. in this process of learning to heal uh, your mindset or learning to yeah. work with your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I love books. I'm a, a total bookworm. And my favorite book of all time is actually the very first self-developed book I ever read. And it's not a money book, uh, but it is 100% a book about being present and able to manage your thoughts, which means you can choose a, a, a more wiser thought. And it's the power of now. So the power of mm, now is just that classic book. And when you read it from a place of wanting to improve your relationship with money, right? He never talks about money. That's a funny thing. But if you read it from that space, you're like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. I'm just beginning to learn. I need to give myself grace and love myself because all I have is right now. So if I don't take the opportunity to right now in this moment, choose the more empowering thought in this moment, like not worried of, am I going to fuck my money game up in, in 10 minutes from now and think about an old story? No, who cares? When you get there and that now 
you'll take care of it. You'll know what to do. So it's really teaching you how to just be present in the moment and choose the thought that your higher self would choose. That's good. The self-compassion is really important. And I think that's something that's really challenging for people, especially for women. I believe that we are in so many different ways, socially and culturally conditioned into self-hatred. And it's even the most woke women I know, which is a lot, even those of us who are in the process of transforming our relationship with ourselves, we still slip into the self-deprecating or um, not trusting ourselves. We still slip into fear and doubt. And I think, you know, one of the things that's so important for me to, to share on this show is that the people who you're looking to and I'm looking to as leaders they're still in healing. Healing is a way of being. We're not fixed. We're not done. We're not better. It's just, we're a little bit further down the road from where we've maybe been, right? We're climbing this ladder of emotion. We're, we're, we're raising our own consciousness and vibration and it's continual. It's, and so I think that grace that you're talking about, like giving yourself grace Mm -hmm. is, and forgiveness is really important because this is not, you're not going to punish yourself into these kinds of changes. Like the only way to get there is by loving yourself and giving yourself grace and compassion. A hundred percent. So when you work with women and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think reframing abundance and healing money mindset, this is right now your primary niche. You do business strategy coaching as well, right? Yep. So and yeah, I do kind of your sub niche within that. Yes. Um, money. I always like to joke is like the gateway drug, right? It's never, ever about just money. Uh, so like I will teach you how to tap in the frequency of money, but I'll, I'll be damn sure to make sure that we heal what needs to be healed before yeah. we get there. Uh, and, and so it, you know, relates to if someone wants to create a business, they first need to actually know what money is to be able to receive it, um, in a loving way. Um, and I, I want to preface too, kind of what you were just talking on. I, I, I still self-sabotage, right? I still catch myself in not giving compassion. So I want to remind people just because I might be an expert, right, on helping people tap into money and build their business, whatever that is, I'm nowhere near perfect. I fall off the fucking train all the time, right? But I, I catch myself. It's a training. Mm-hmm. We're always learning. So don't think that, oh my gosh, I'll never, ever have it all together because you won't. It's enjoy, enjoy being a human where you're never perfect. So I just kind of want to touch on that. Like I still catch myself in lack of forgiveness and um, compassion, but you know, we just pick What's up. your default? What's one of your default uh, old stories that still mm. sneaks in? Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, buying something and in place of doing the healing. So if I'm procrastinating on doing something out of fear of my three favorite F words besides fuck um, is fear, <laughs> failure, fear, judgment, fear of success. So if, I, if I'm like about to do something, I'm like, oh, I might fail or anything that's back to that still is kind of a little bit of a wound, um, I'll automatically like what to go buy something. It's like I catch myself and I'm like, okay, breathe it out. I see you going for something like take a breath. What are you avoiding? I immediately ask myself, what are you avoiding? And then I'll kind of like be my best salesman and like not want to talk about it. I'm like, oh, it's not a big deal. And so then I finally like sit down with like a journal or go into meditation and be like, oh, okay. It's because that's the other. 
And then I, I, I kind of pivot and go that way. So it's really just going for something outside of myself uh, to, to make myself not deal with what needs to be dealt with. <laughs> I love that. I, it happens to me still too. And when I was finishing, so I'm 33 and I just finished a a 17 year bachelor's degree in literature. Go girl. Congrats. About a year ago, but when I was still in school and I was, you know, going to classes and sitting with, it didn't even matter that they were like 12 years younger than me, but was sitting with kids. And there were times that I just really didn't want to be in class. And I would find myself bored and frustrated and feeling like I was missing time that I could be working. So I'd be working on my laptop while I'm in school. And I would, always notice when I was really kind of spinning out because I'd find myself like on like revolve or like <laughs> loose and I'd be like the clothes would be in the cart and then I'm like oh, oh yeah what are we doing? how did we get here you know you have this moment you're like what the fuck is happening you like black out and you're like how did where am I going with all these clothes yeah. like where, am I going to like five events in a yeah. in, in a day <laughs> yeah so I replaced the habit um with a different one, which is anytime I find myself in a cart, I go ahead and take the amount of money that it was going to cost, including shipping, including tax, and I immediately pay it on one of my credit cards. I love it. Which is, you know, it's a, it's a good habit. It's helping a little yeah. bit make some headway towards the debt, but it's not necessarily doing the addressing of the trigger. And I think yep. that's really important. So I yep. thank you for that. You know, I always say like, I bring people on the show who uh, I, I need for free coaching. Hi, Taylor, can I get you on the show? Yeah, it's uh, not like it's for me or anything. Right, um, no, same. <laughs> but it's, it's good. So, so as you started to do this work, transform your thoughts, uh, heal your trauma, build your business in a different direction, you, you mentioned early on that you were, when you were young, you were made fun of for being too much, right? And I talk, I teach on these uh, core stories um, that relate to feminine intelligence, right? Or, or, or our feminine conditioning. And it's basically, I'm not enough. I'm too much. I can't trust my body. I can't trust my desire. Um, there's these kind of foundational threads. And one of them is I'm too much, right? I'm too much. I'm too loud. I'm too bold. I'm too bright. I need to tone myself down. And you've mentioned this, like dimming your light a couple times yeah. that it's come up multiple times in your life. Yeah. Do you find yourself now ever feeling that or or do you feel like you kind of the pendulum has swung the other direction where now you're surrounded by so many people who are shining really bright that it just like encourages you to keep going and and do more or do you still have the repeat of that story of like uh I'm too much they're not gonna love me this is you know yeah. not safe for me to be seen or do you feel like that story is mm -hmm. kind of like it's had its day and you're yeah. good. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I love vulnerability and honesty. Totally still deal with it. Um, I actually got a, a sunshine tattooed on my wrist to remind me um, because I, I still struggle when people, uh, it's almost like, it's funny. It's almost like imposter syndrome with being the light. Like, I'm like, mm -hmm. am I, am I though? Am I the light? Cause too much to me was ingrained of negative, right? Now I'm praised for being like, I, I, I am who I am. Like who people see on the internet is literally, literally what you get. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like, it's this weird story sometimes. Like, it's not all the time, but it's, you know, maybe 10% of the time will creep up and be like, 
but, but are you that bright light? Like, is it too much? Are they just saying it's like a good thing or are they just trying to be nice? So it's funny. I hear this story goes into my head of like, it's like the girls in middle school that were mean to me kind of take over the people that are giving me that, 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 that compliment. And I have to like second guess it. And then I'm like, okay, Taylor, no, too much does not equal negative. It equals you are stepping fearlessly into your light and they see that and they're acknowledging that um, and you're inspiring them. That's your job. Um, so I have to have that conversation to be like, no, it's literally your, like my, 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 uh, my, my birth chart is hysterical. It's covered in fire. And my only job for the rest of my life is to motivate people. So like, it's literally my soul's job mm -hmm. until the day I die um, to be the light. And mm -hmm. so I have to constantly remind myself um, that I am that and that it's okay if it's too much air quotes for some people, because I will be, I will be quote too much in a negative term for people for the rest of my life, but they aren't my people. Mm -hmm. uh, so I catch myself and think, oh no, no. The people that, are, that I'm a lot, but they love it, are my people. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's a battle. Um, and when it does come up, I just have to have a conversation and give myself love, give the little T some extra love, because that's just the child in me that's still like, don't mm -hmm. hurt my feelings. Um, mm -hmm. And then I heal through it, and then I move forward. So good. Thank you. I, I asked because as we step into our, our greatness, as we step into the women that we're called to be, I find that uh, that that question of who are you, who are you to do this, who are you, and for me, it's about being a spiritual teacher, right? Who are, who are you to stand up and tell talk to people about you know these deep philosophies and and beliefs and um, and way of moving in the world? Who are you to be a healer? Who are you to change lives? You know, lots of people, yeah. and I'm sure with you too, say, you know, you've changed my life. And, yeah. and it's, yeah, it's that question of, are they just <laughs> saying that? Or is that, you know, it's like, and there we become almost desensitized to receiving that yeah. where it's like, Oh, thank you. Like, I'm so glad. But then inwardly, we're like, if you, you don't, if you only knew, you yeah. Know? Yeah. If you only knew what? If you only knew that I'm human, if you only knew that, like, I still put my pants on one leg at a time, like, if you only, like, what? Like, um, so it's interesting and I'm glad to hear that, yeah. you know, that, that there's room for all of us to grow in that. Always. Um, so we, you know, we're, we're coming towards the end of our time together. I could talk to you all day, but one last thing that I really want to touch on, um, and I think we've touched on it a lot, but we, you know, how, being yourself creates a life of abundance. And, and I think this is really, really, really important because one of the things that I hear all the time, and I'm sure that you do too, especially from people who are in the early stages of building their business in the online space yeah. is there are so many people doing it already. <laughs> I'm not going to be as good as her, her, her would name whatever influencer you want. Um, and hesitation around showing up just as themselves as they are. There's this weird thing where it's like <laughs> a lot of people feel like, okay, once you get to a certain level of influence, then you're okay to show up with no makeup and greasy hair because then it's humility. But in the beginning, you're not allowed to do that because then you're just a slob or something like it's, yeah. yep. you know, and so I have, especially women, they're like, oh, I can't create content because I didn't have time to do my hair and my makeup. And I need to like and I'm like, well, what if you just showed up? What if you just committed to the consistency of just yeah. showing up every day as you are? Yeah. And, you know, I know experientially that what you're saying, Taylor, is true, that the more that we embrace 
our full authentic selves. What I say to people is it's only when you reveal your full authentic self that you're actually able to receive love. And if love is the vibration of money, like answering the question for you, but this idea that, you know, when we're hiding part of who we are, we can't actually receive love because whatever we receive, we're then that little voice inside is going, oh, but if they only knew. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um I want you to take that a little bit further and make it yeah. actionable for people. What are some of the things that we can do to embrace our authentic selves to create this life of abundance? And and then if you you know you have any specific tips for yeah. <laughs> that person yeah. who's like, I need to do it today. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. I love this question because it's something that um, I deal with like every day with my, with uh, especially business clients of like, you know, I only have 500 followers. Like, you know, it has to be perfect until then, or how am I going to call in that? Right. Like the, the, you know, say the woman's dealing with postpartum moms, right. Losing weight, whatever it is. There's a million other moms out there. that are doing the same. Um, one, number one, I, I'm, I'm a tough love coach. Um, the moment we make it about us, and not about who's out there waiting to be served. It's incredibly selfish. So like that, the moment, like someone's like, but you know, who's going to listen to me? I'm like, did you just say me? Like, did you just make it about you? Cause I don't, I don't think serving is, is about you. I think it's about helping other people. And then they're like, fuck, touche. Mm-hmm. Um, so step one, that's kind of a way to like, if you, um, if that kind of motivates you to be like, oh shit, yeah, I'm making it about me. Um, and then, and then owning the fact that you are, are so uniquely you and that you have a different spin on it. There could be 30 women in a room that are the exact same coach, but you might have a personality, like a tough love personality that resonates with a certain person that needs that. They might not need a soft coach. They need a tough love coach or a tough love leader, whatever that is. Um, so remembering that you have this very unique gift to give and it's your responsibility to freaking to freaking own it. Um, and I had this mantra that I like to say, uh, and I, I teach people is the more I am me, the more fun I have, the more money I make. Because when we are un- like just fearlessly, unapologetically us, we are in a state of love, which is in our heart, which is on the same frequency of money. When we're having fun, childlike, where are we? In love, in a state of the frequency of money. So n- nothing quote, bad or lack can happen when we are literally fearlessly ourselves and having fun. So if you look at your business right now, this is for your entrepreneurs of, oh my gosh, am I having fun like posting or am I fearful of not having makeup on and looking bad? Am I comparing myself to where someone else is? Cause they've been doing it for five, you know, fucking years and I've been doing it for three months. Mm-hmm. Um, asking yourself like, where am I at right now? Am I focusing on serving my people? Um, or am I falling into that, that comparison? I just, am I having fun? And if you're not step back and ask yourself, like, what can make this more fun? What can make this more enjoyable? How can I be a little more me? Does that mean, um, that you might even go on Instagram live and be like, Hey guys, I've been terrified to just like fearlessly be myself. Like be honest. Like people love honesty and honesty from a place of, there's a difference honesty from a place of like being honest, not out of a place of like hashtag honesty, um, like hashtag <laughs> vulnerability, like, like kill me. Um, and so 
obviously please for the love of God do this from a place of actual true honesty or else it becomes low vibrational and blocks money. The moment you do it from a low vibrational mm-hmm. state, you're blocking money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that mentality um, and, and really just knowing that people are out there waiting for you. There's how many people in this world? Billion, what, whatever, like 8 billion it's like, people? Yeah, it's like a lot of, bil- it's almost 10 billion. I think it's a lot. Exactly, exactly. So when we know that there are billions of people, why would we think that just because there's 30 other people in our niche, that they're serving all the billions of people. Like, come on. Like, so it's kind of like retrospective and not making about us and then owning that mantra of the more I am me, the more money I make. Like those three will really help get the juices flowing and bring you from that gut, like shame, I'm not good enough, up to your heart of love, service, and excitement. Such a good answer. You have such good <laughs> answers. I love that. And I'm so with you on the... Um, what I call sensationalized vulnerability. It's like, oh my God, God, that that trend (laughs) has to stop. I love that that social media has become a space that where people are really embracing more of their authentic selves and their their vulnerability. But then there's also this, um, and I mean, it's, it's tricky when you're teaching and coaching people on this and you're teaching and coaching them on like, here's the thing, you, you do need to take your stories and you need to extract the, the pain points, the yes. problem. And then you need to talk about what was the hardest part of that problem, right? Um, but that can also be done in a way that is not coming from that place of service, yeah. right? Yep. And it's, I think it's especially interesting in the interest of full disclosure for us to yeah. look at that for those of us who have figured out what are the high converting pain points and yeah. stories that we carry. And this is something like yeah. I've been working with my trauma therapist on is, is actually in all of the retelling of my stories around, you know, similar to like what you listed today, the sugar baby years and the substance abuse and abusive relationships yeah. and all of this stuff. It almost created like, like put like more weight yeah. into that than I think I need to carry forward in, in my life. Right. And learning to like use that as a marketing tool kind of, um, I don't know it, like it, like gave more importance maybe to that stuff. Not that it wasn't important, but in terms of, is it definitive of who I am today? Yeah. No, it was absolutely part of how I unfolded and blossomed into the woman that I am today. But you know, even when I, and we do, we do this on shows because especially on my show, it's truth telling shame busting stories of modern day visionaries and mystics. I want people to understand that you didn't just, you know, like pop into the world and like your little money making you're all like, it's like, there was some shit that you had to go through to get there at the same time. I think it's important that, you know, we, we, it's like Instagram and social media was all sunshine and rainbows and, and good vibes and all of that stuff. And then people were like, this is fake and false. And so we started to say, Hey, let's show up and tell the truth. Honest. And then now that's been kind of taken and distorted almost into something where it's like, who can share a more sordid tale? You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm just so thankful that you said, you know, if you you find yourself doing that, if you find yourself like mining your brain for like, okay, what's the kind of fucked up story that I can tell about myself? Again, Uh approaching it wrong. You know what I mean? Like approaching it from a place that's going to be less effective. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. it's lack and scarcity too. Like it's yeah. like we we come from like if that doesn't motivate you, right? Like I always try to motivate people with like what you're actually doing. When you're doing that from a place of like I must share the story because I know it will convert into sales. Like mm. that means I don't have enough 
like money right now, enough clients right now, I must do it. And so you're actually hurting yourself in the long run Mm -hmm. by coming at it from a place of lack and scarcity. Mm -hmm. Do you find that when you're creating content, um, the, the really good shit, you know what I mean? Like it, that it comes from a place of, I, I already know the answer to this, but I'm asking for everybody listening that it comes from a place of like, what have you genuinely been struggling with lately or in the recent past that is still a little tender to talk about, but you know that somebody else is also hurting and struggling. Mm -hmm. And so for you to share whatever little wisdom you've gleaned, like, do you feel like that? I feel like when I look at like what, what really like converts the posts that like kind of blow things out of the water are the ones where I was emotionally charged in a good way, in a way of like, people need to hear this truth because this is real and they need to know they're not alone. Those are like the powerhouse posts. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, How do you connect with that personally for you when you're sitting down to write content? Um, How do you do your check-in of like, what does my ideal client need to hear today? Is it just kind of like, okay, what did I need to hear today? Or what did Taylor need to hear, you know, yesterday? Or what's your process for, for staying fresh in creating content that's really, you know, connective and meaningful? Yeah. Um, it, it's, I've been leaning a lot lately to like my current struggles. Cause I think, um, what can easily happen with so many, you know, quote influencers and leaders is that, uh, if we just talk about what we've gone through, this is my view, right? We talk about what we've gone through in the past. Um, it inspires people, but they want to hear like, they don't want to think that we're just like perfect now. And so I've learned, wait, I'm not perfect right now. I've got a shit ton of stories I'm working through. Um, so I've been sharing a lot of what I've been going through right now and being like super honest. And so I, like for my podcast or like a, a post, I sit down, I'm like, what the fuck am I going through right now that I know my ideal client is going through? And maybe I'm just like, a little step ahead in the healing process, but they need permission that, oh shit, if Taylor is going through some, some tough stuff, like I can do it too. Like I share openly, like my, my family, um, my, not my immediate family, but my cousins stuff judge me for making money. And they talk awful about me behind my back, like to this present day. And I had to have a very tough conversation with one of my cousins just a few days ago. So I shared that with my community and they're just like, I had no idea that you would have to deal with this, like, right? Like, cause no quote, my life could look perfect, but like, that's why I talk openly that it's not perfect. So I, I really thrive on reminding people, um, that it's never going to be perfect and that it, like, but we can get through it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. If you guys have fallen in love with Taylor today, and I know you have, um, go connect with her. You can hit her up on Instagram. I am Taylor Simpson. You can find her if you're a podcast listener, duh, which you are. Uh, Our podcast is A Tailored Adventure to Happiness. And you can also connect with her on the web at thetaylorsimpson.com. And that's the place to go if you want to learn about any of her programs. Um, If you want to learn about you tapping into the frequency of money, I believe, uh, I'm not sure if your mastermind is still open or not. I may have already... Yeah. You can just shoot me a DM. It's like, if you're like, just shoot me a DM. Yeah. Like I I love, like you're going to get a voice message back. Just, just for a warning. I'm that creepy person. Um, and so shoot me a DM, say hi, like truly, like I I really love, um, connecting with people. So shoot me a DM and just like, let me know like what you got going on. Um, and kind of, you know, where you want to go in life. And And you guys, her IGTV videos are gold. Like if you're looking for someone to just speak life into you, you know, 
um, on the gram. Like she's definitely one that you, I think, I mean, everybody's different, but you will not find yourself triggered and jealous. You will find yourself activated and grateful and feeling connected, which is to me just the most beautiful quality. So thank you, Taylor, for the way that you're serving. And and, um, you've got so much goodness. There's so much more to her than even what we (laughs) talked about today. So go connect, go follow. Um, And then I'd love to leave everyone with, you know, if they ran into you in the grocery line or in an elevator and you had 30 seconds to one minute to just change the life or or to kind of give them your best nugget of wisdom, what would you say to somebody in that time? Oh, what's coming through right now is, is really, you are so much more powerful and capable than you give yourself credit for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. That was short and powerful. That was it. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Amelia, thank you so much for your time. It's been a joy having Yay. you on the show. Thank you so much, Amelia. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on another episode of Totally Stoked Podcast. If you love this episode, if it impacted you in some way, please grab a screenshot and share it right now to Instagram stories, tag Stoked Yogi, hashtag Totally Stoked Podcast. Each week, we'll grab one listener who shared and send you some Stoked Yogi swag. Also, if you love the show, please subscribe, share it with a friend, or head over to iTunes right now and leave us an honest review. Your support and feedback make this show possible. If you have ideas about how we can improve, please send them to podcast at stokedyogi.com. Until next time, you guys, keep showing up, loving people, telling the truth, and remember, keep living your life totally stoked.